Welcome into a Monday edition of Unlocking the Cage. I'm Ryan McKittle filling in for Jimmy Smith. And on today's edition of Unlocking the Cage podcast, we got a full recap of UFC 265 with one of the voices of the UFC, the great Megan O'Leary. And speaking of the UFC, well, he's not with the UFC anymore, but he sure had some great fights in the company, and maybe he might have some down the road as well. But for right now, he is newly inked BKFC signee Chad Mendez. All you got to do is sit back, relax, good play. Let's get it going and lock the cage on a Monday. You know her, you love her, you hear her here on Fight Nation plenty because she is one of the best out there, period. UFC reporter, analyst, the one and only, Megan Alevi. Megan, how you doing? Oh my gosh. Hi, that was so kind. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh man, you're the uh, you're the kind one. You're the one that's the airport right now, coming off. Of, <laughs> I don't know how many hours. I don't know how many hours you put in on Saturday, Megan. But you're here on a Monday with us, uh, talking about these fights. We always hear from you before the fight. I always love talking to you after the fight because obviously there's so much to get to. Listen, it's dealer's choice here with you, Megan O'Leary. You can talk <laughs> about the main event. You can talk about anything that happened on the main card. If I'm just sitting, if you're, if I'm running into you. And at the airport, right? Just like five minutes ago. Oh my God, Megan O'Leary, can I get a picture? <laughs> Yay, please, please, please. And if I ask you what you were most impressed with by Saturday night, what would your answer be? Oh man, I think it's threefold. I think you got to go Vicente Luque, Jose Aldo, and of course, Cyril Gone. Um, I think when you combine those three performances and what type of statements were made with each individual um, fight, I think there's really a lot to talk about there. You mentioned Jose's only 34, showing new wrinkles to his game I think I think something that you know actually my husband Joseph was really um talking about after Jose's fight was his ability to um kind of negate the calf kicks and how he was you know lifting his leg and kind of taking those away yeah. from Pedro we we haven't seen someone take that approach to a leg kick uh, a leg kick attack or a calf kick attack and Jose of course I mean He's the guy, right? He's the expert. He's been known for throwing <laughs> right. kicks for years and years. I actually saw Pedro the next morning, and I felt so bad. His leg was really swollen. He was limping really badly. And it wasn't that Jose, you know, even landed that many kicks. I don't think he even threw that many. But um, I think Jose is just performance, his ability to continue to evolve as a mixed martial artist. He somehow just looks phenomenal at 35, and we used to worry about him at 45. Um <laughs> So I love, you know, right. I love that. And then I, I think Vicente Luque, obviously, he came out there and he really made a huge statement. You know, submitting Tyron Woodley in his last outing was huge. But now going out there and, and kind of taking Kiesa's game to him, I thought that was tremendous. And then zero. I mean, what what more can you yeah, ask I for mean- from, from somebody? I I don't think you can ask for much more. Megan, I spent the first hour of this show bitching and complaining and moaning about the situation of the interim titles, you know, uh, I guess, uh, label, right? And the fact that I felt that it took away uh, from what – and again, I didn't take anything away from Cyril Gone. Because what he did, like, to essentially to your point, right, what more could you have asked for? Absolutely nothing. And it looks like now – 
we've got a showdown with Francis Ngannou on the horizon. And Megan, I got to be honest, I on a professional level, I admire Francis Ngannou on a personal level. I admire Francis Ngannou as a person. There's not a lot to dislike about that man, right? He's a great fighter, a great champion. I think he's got his hands full with Surreal gone when they meet, whenever that may be. I mean, it's the age-old story as well, right? The former training partners turned foes, Mm -hmm. and that's really what's happening here. But I think you're right. I think Francis and and Gon are both great examples of kind of this evolution of the heavyweight. And it's it's true athleticism. It's not necessarily just, oh, they just have one weapon at their disposal. This is is a lot of things. I mean, listen, I know Francis has been putting in a lot of work in his grappling, and so has Gon. But and, and I'm not going to say, you know, hey, that maybe the world's greatest grapplers at this point. However, they are athletes and they're athletes who would probably succeed in other sports as well. But now they've decided to take their talents to the world of mixed martial arts. And I really do think that this is the beginning of, of a new generation of UFC heavyweight fighter that maybe would have pursued different paths in life. Um, prior to a couple of years ago. But now I'm excited for the future and for what this matchup may hold. Ngannou is, again, similar game plan, I expect, when that that fight happens. But Ngannou is a completely different beast, no pun intended, than uh, what uh, Gon saw on Saturday night. No, absolutely. You know, something I really admire about Gon, um, and I think is a really important uh, thing to know, is that he is a great listener. Whatever his coach tells him in terms of the game plan going in, he really takes to heart. He doesn't stray from it. You don't have to, you know, look at him and be like, well, obviously that was a big mistake. You know, he's, he's doing exactly what he's being told, and he's also listening in the corner. And I think a lot of times you, you hear athletes be like, well, you know, my corner told me to do this, and I, I you know, I didn't pull the trigger, or I, I didn't listen, or I, I kind of messed up. Cyril, is, he's 100% attentive to those who are coaching him to choose success. And I think that can be a big key when he's facing a guy in Francis Ngannou that his coach, Ferdinand, had coached for years. So he's got insider information. Yep. He understands how that works. You know, and I think that's going to be a big factor in this one. What about the factor that these two have trained together? Uh, I mean, obviously, firsthand, not only as an analyst and, 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 the, and the work and the time that you put in, but also as the wife of a fighter, right? You've been in training rooms. You've seen those rivalries unfold, and you've seen how that can somehow you know, sometimes play out in the octagon. How much credence do you put in their past together in spending times in training rooms and, and, and seeing one another and mixing it up prior? You know, honestly, not that much. I think there's a little bit you can take from it, but I've been in rooms where, you know, got one guy has been severely, uh, it's, it's been one-sided in sparring, and then they go out there in the octagon and a completely different result comes out. So I don't really think there's that much that we can put on it. Of course, they're going to feel like they both have a little bit, oh, I remember he did this, or I remember he did <laughs> right, that. Right. But I really, I don't think there's a ton of credence we can put into it. All right, now back to Aldo, because I'm with you. If we're not talking about the heavyweight championship, uh, the interim heavyweight championship, and what we saw on Saturday, the complete and obvious takeaways to me were Aldo and Vicente Luque. Uh, Luque going out and doing what not a lot of folks are able to do, and that's take out Michael Chiesa. Chiesa, obviously a tough nut to crack. This puts Luque in some pretty interesting uh, territory here. Uh, you know, after the, in the post 
post-fight, Megan, Luke made a case for Kamaru Usman saying he's the only guy in the top five that hasn't challenged Usman. Luke just keeps looking better and better. What did you think about the performance and, and how far off do you think he is from a fight with Usman? Well, you know, I, I thought the performance was beautiful. In the lead-up to the fight, he told us, I hated everything about this camp. I was actually supposed to do a, a whole report, but things got <laughs> kind of messed up behind the scenes, so it got taken away. But he told us, he's like, I hated this camp. I hated this camp more than any other camp because all I did was wrestle. Even on my striking days, even on my sparring days, <laughs> I was still wrestling. And he was like, this was, this was too much for me. Like, you know, he was joking. It wasn't too much in terms of the, the workload. But right, like, right. Uh, wrestling's really hard. He put in the work and he told us, he said, people forget I'm a good grappler. He said, I have only just added to my arsenal. He was very confident. He had an answer for anything Kiesa was going to bring to the canvas. And he did. And I think he really showed what a well-rounded, exciting mixed martial artist he is. And, you know, that second word, exciting, that is a key word when it comes to um, kind of vying for for a position uh, for, for a title shot. Because there's a lot of names in the mix. But if you know, okay, well, some of these guys have rematches or some of these guys maybe aren't aren't always, you know, having these crazy barn burners, I think Vicente can sneak himself in there. And, you know, Kamaru Usman tweeted that he loved the performance. He said, maybe we'll dance soon. Um, and I think that would be a great match. Yeah. But I do know he told me on Saturday after the fight, hey, if I don't get Kamaru, I still want to fight Nate Diaz. I don't care. I still want to fight him. So, you know, I, I just love that attitude, too. He just – he loves what he does. He wants to go out there and continue to get better and compete. And I think the sky really is the limit for Vicente. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't mind that Nate Diaz payday either. Uh, I wouldn't be against that for right. Vicente Luque. And also, hey, listen, Megan, we also know how dangerous Luque is, and it's not a knock on Nate, but if you're trying to elevate your name and if you're trying to get some more shine on your name, I mean, Nate Diaz, hell, I mean, okay, outside of anything aside from a gold uh, you know, and taking Usman on for the championship, I mean, I Diaz would be my next choice about Vicente Luque. Why wouldn't it be? That's the money fight. Exactly. I totally agree. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how 170 shakes out yeah. in a couple of months um, and, you know, what matchups are made. Because I think there, there's just there's just a lot of fun fights to be made right now. Well, sp- speaking of fun fights and plenty of matchups to be made, you look at Bantamweight, you look at Jose Aldo. Listen, I know that that's a man who has been, I don't want to say done favors because of the legacy that he is established. He is one of the greatest fighters that we have ever had. But he has been, um, he has been, I guess, at, at opportune places at opportune times. And he's capitalized on that. He's had his fair share of title fights, Megan. But this is a new weight class. Um, yeah, I know he's a couple fights removed from some losses. But, again, one of those was a split against Marais that I thought he could have won. And specifically, Megan, these last two fights in Saturday, Aldo with 34 and at bantamweight is an absolute killer. How many fights away do you think? He is away from a title, and do you think we could see Aldo fight for a title before his career is over? Because, man, he looks impressive at 35. You know, it's a good question, and I think there's a lot of factors that play into that. Number one is what do the performances look like every time he comes out? I mean, if he looks like he did on Saturday, then title shot is imminent, you know? Um, However, I think it also depends on the matchup. And, you know, Pedro was ranked number nine. Jose is ranked number five. So it'll be interesting to see who they give him. My, my colleague, Brett Okamoto, actually suggested, what about, what about Aldo versus Cruz? And I would, 
I mean, I would just love to see that because for somebody who just adored the WEC and everything that it was about, I think that would just <laughs> sure, be a vintage yes. match that, we, that we'd all want to see. But I think for Aldo, if he can continue to have outings like this, but but fight people who are closer to that top five, who are closer to that top three. I think that's what he's going to need to do in order to earn himself another title shot. The great thing for him is that he's so uh, honored in our sport. He's a fan favorite. Other athletes really respect him. They want to fight him. They appreciate, you know, the the things he's done and the strides he's taken for the, the lighter weights in the past decade or so. So I do yep. think that he could potentially – see that title within the next two years should he continue to impress and continue to face um, higher-ranked opponents. And, and i got to be honest, Megan, I think if he goes out there, and we talked about it uh, before you came on, we all talked about myself, Kelly, Mike, we all talked about how much we love the idea of a cruise fight. I'm with you. Uh, I, I, I'll just say this, uh, and along the lines of what Okamoto said, if he does get that fight and he wins it, and you talk about the legacy and the history, I got to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if, especially if Aljamain Sterling wins that fight with Piotr Jan, they give Aldo the next fight just because of everything he's accomplished. And, and Megan, it's what you said. It's how you fight. It's the entertainment that you bring to the cage. He brings all of that, right? He brings legacy. He brings entertainment. And we got to be honest, he's not getting any younger. I don't, uh, I don't regularly lobby for sort of favors being done like this, whatever word you want to use, right? I, and it's not even a favor. If Aldo were to go out and beat Cruz, I think he would have earned it in some way. And I know it's a stacked division, but is anyone really going to complain if you see Aldo back at the top of a marquee coming off of three great performances? Because I don't think people are going to complain, Megan. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, it'd be hard to, you know, and especially, like I said, <laughs> if, if he just continues to face these, these talented guys and continue to show out in the manner which he did on Saturday night. That's really yeah. the key to it all. Yep. Yep. For sure. We're here with Megan Oliva. Megan, I am going to let you go here right after this last question. Cause I know you're at the airport. I, you know, I know you got to get <laughs> things going. I know you're busy and I do appreciate it. But as we talk about exciting fights and we talk about UFC 265, Tisha Torres bringing it against Angela Hill on Saturday, the tiny tornado, so much promise. It's been a lot of up and down for Tisha. I felt like she had the best performance of her career on Saturday night. What'd you think? You know what? I, I absolutely agree with that. I think she looked tremendous. And I think she had a confidence about her going into this one that really played in her favor. Um, I loved that performance from her. We saw so many different wrinkles in her game. And when I talked to her backstage, she wasn't even tired. And she was just, she was really happy, <laughs> but she wasn't, she wasn't in a place where she felt like, oh my God, did everyone see this was the best performance in my career? She was happy to get the win. And I think that's a great attitude for our athletes to have because it's always great to learn after a win. You know, we always say you, you lose yeah. and you learn. Well, it's also great to learn after a win. And that was sort of the attitude I got from Tisha Torres is that she is ready to continue this upward ascent. I think she has her training figured out. I think she has a lot of things in her life figured out that are benefiting her uh, positively inside that octagon. I think Saturday night was really just an example of all of that. I thought she was tremendous. I'm so excited for whoever she faces next. And she never backs down. She's, she's faced murderer's row of that division, <laughs> truly. Yep. You know, and she never says yep. no. She never shies away from the fight. And even if the fight's not going her way, she just continues to press forward and, and give it her all. So I'm really looking forward to the future for Tisha Torres. I think it's very bright.
Well said and great points by Megan O'Leary, which is not surprising. The Tiny Tornado, Tisha Torres, putting on one hell of a performance. And it was a really great card, especially that main card. And really, even before the main card, Megan, all those finishes, uh, the fighters really brought it on Saturday. You really brought it, but we're used to that. And Megan O'Leary's a pro, and she always makes it work. So, again, we really appreciate the time. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. We have a very special guest, a surprise guest joining us on this Monday. He is back in the fight game after almost a three-year absence signing with BKFC Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. The one and only Chad Money Mendez joining us on a Monday. Chad, you're returning to fighting. Um... I was surprised when you announced your return. I was even more surprised that it came in BKFC. So maybe can you just take us through your thought process, what, what these last couple of years have been like and why BKFC? The last couple of years basically <laughs> for me was I, I started a few businesses, dumped a ton of energy into that, um, and really yeah. wanted to focus on getting those stuff, those, those things grown. Um, you know, when I left the UFC, for me it was just kind of like – I, it was one of those things at the time I didn't have a hundred percent focus on it, man. I just, there were so many other things I was doing and the excitement of getting in there and training had kind of left me a bit. And I was more focused on growing uh, these brands and these businesses. And, um, yeah, I was making, <laughs> I was making more money doing that than I was fighting in the UFC in, in all honesty. And, uh, you know, for me, it was like, look, I've been an athlete my entire life. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm young still. I'm in my mid thirties, but I just don't have that desire. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I, you know, this is a sport that you have to have, in my opinion, full focus and, and love and, and desire, or you're going to get hurt. You know, it's not like you can just walk in there and sit at a desk and kind of eat things out for a couple of years, you know? So I decided to talk to yeah. it with my team, my <laughs> wife, and it was, it was time to, to hang them up. So I left UFC, you know, I, like I said, started growing these brands and, and doing a ton of stuff in the outdoor space. Um, I started my own rub company. I started a, a outdoor, like a celebrity hunting and fishing service where we take people out um, on different trips. Um, I have a, a new beef company um, and just been, like I said, been dumping a ton of effort into that. And, you know, obviously two, two and a half years has gone by. I've kind of got the itch back, man. I'm, I'm, you know, getting back in the gym, I don't know, probably the last year, really, a little less than a year, and just training and still feeling great, man, and, and I, I got the itch, and so we started, you know, obviously, I started posting stuff recently, probably in the last few months, and had some oh, yeah, big I saw. offers start I coming saw. in from different <laughs> organizations, so um, can you still hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I just want to make sure. But, um, and so we've yep. just kind of been going back and forth and, and bare knuckle, man, they threw out some, some big numbers. And, uh, for me, it was, you know, I've always wanted to try boxing. There was actually uh, a little bit of talk with De La Hoya, even just getting in there and doing some boxing, uh, with him. But, 
Um, here's, here's the tricky part is I'm still under UFC contract. Like I still have fights on my contract. Um, and so the UFC is basically allowing me to go make some money doing this bare knuckle. And, you know, basically I still have a home with UFC if I ever wanted to come back. So, um, obviously my contract at the time of signing it, which was what, four or five years ago or something like that, it's not a very good contract anymore. You know, at the time it was pretty good, but um, you know, it's, I would definitely need, need to re-talk and re, re, uh, figure that sucker out. But, um, for now, man, I'm just excited to get back in there and try something new. It's, it's awesome to be able to focus on one discipline again. Uh, like I, like I did in wrestling my whole life, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, I can focus on boxing, you know, obviously some strength and conditioning and stuff like that too. But as far as the actual martial art discipline, it's awesome to get in there and just focus you know, two workouts a day on, on striking, you know? And so, uh, it's been fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm looking, you know, really looking forward to getting, getting in there and competing in, in a, a new sport. It's exciting. Um, and we're finally going to make some money doing it. So can't complain too much. <laughs> well, you said finally going to make some money. We spent a lot of time, uh, to start this show, Chad, talking about the interim title fight on Saturday and how interim belts are used for leverage to get fighters to take lesser deals or force fighters into defending belts they don't want to defend. So uh, believe me, I- I'm not surprised at all that you felt the need or desire or didn't feel the desire and then thus felt the need to walk away. What I do find surprising is that you have fights still on your UFC contract and Dana White and the UFC is saying, hey, that's fine. Go fight for the competition. That isn't something that I hear regularly. That that has to make you happy. Did that shock you at all? No, a hundred percent. I was extremely shocked. I, I thought they were just going to say, screw you, like not happening, but, right. uh, you know, I've always had a good relationship with UFC. You know, I've, I felt like I always tried to go above and beyond doing all the media and doing everything that, you know, led up to fights. And, you know, I always trained my ass off and went in there and just competed as hard as I possibly could. Um, and so it's, it is awesome to see them kind of, uh, recognize that and and allow this to happen because like i said they technically could have just said no you're not but um you right. know like i said it is a different sport it's boxing it's not mma i really really doubt they would ever let me just go fight for another organization or mma organization <laughs> but uh it is cool that they're allowing me to go make some money and uh compete man i'm excited to get in there and and uh and box and knock some heads off <laughs> Uh, you're excited. I'm excited. You talked about those uh, videos you put out over the last couple months, and we're talking with Chad Money Mendez, former UFC title contender. Dude, Chad, like you look in outstanding shape. Like you were ripping like Tyson esque lefts to the body, and you seem to have a ton of speed back. <laughs> Power looks good, and I, I shit you not. I I thought you were coming back, but I thought you would be. We were coming back to either Bellator, UFC. I didn't know your contract situation when I found out BKFC. I, we've had David Feldman on the show before. I am a big supporter of BKFC. You're the, in my opinion, all due respect to Paige and whoever else they've signed, you are the most legit, most interesting person that they've signed. Dude, Chad, I can't wait to see what you do bare knuckle. You seem to be, uh, you seem to be ready for it. You sound excited. I'm excited. Do you know when you're going to be making your debut? Do you have an opponent in mind? Uh, because I think there's a lot of folks out there that want to see you get in there and mix it up man 
Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, it's, uh, I've been feeling really good. And like I said, it's awesome to be able to just train one discipline and, uh, put all my right. energy and focus into, into striking. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it's October 22nd, Chandler, Arizona. And, uh, I do not have an opponent yet. So, um, I've been told, I think Dave was saying that they're, they're basically putting the list together and they're going to find me somebody, uh, hopefully soon. So I can, you know, obviously start doing some research and, um, figuring out game plan and really start training for that, that person. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, a, this is a, a, a huge deal in my life and I'm, you know, extremely excited to get in there and try something new. Um, and like I said, I've obviously being a wrestler my whole life, but even, even jumping into the UFC and just MMA in general, like boxing and wrestling were probably my two favorite styles. That was my, that was my go-to in my, with my MMA style. And so, you know, boxing, sparring, boxing training was always probably on the highest uh, of my list of, of, of disciplines that I liked training, like obviously wrestling, because it's something I've done my whole life. Um, but it was, I don't know what it was, just my style, I think, uh, of wrestling and, and just basically my um, ability to be explosive, close the distance, uh, and just keep that power yeah. going. Was, it, it always translated well into the boxing world. So. Um, I, I'm feeling like a little Tyson, which is cool. Uh, definitely somebody I look up to in the boxing world, uh, Canelo also. So, uh, it's, it's definitely cool being able to watch these guys, uh, train these different techniques and, and hopefully get in there and, and use it in my fights. Well, I never really, I, I know you, obviously the pedigree of your wrestling background is obviously well-documented, but I was there when you broke into MMA. I remember you being over in Japan, I think at a, at a dream event and you made your announcement that you were going to be being a pro. I don't remember. I just, I just remember the hype of you coming into the sport. And then I remember you just, it always felt like to me that you were so good at wrestling that you were just always working on your boxing, which in my mind gave us the 2014 fight of the year. When you and Aldo went to war, I always thought your boxing was one of the best things that you had. Now, like you said, it's the only thing you've got to focus on, and now it also <laughs> comes via bare knuckle. Does like I like? Do you feel like you're going to have more power? Do you feel like you're going to have to watch your punches more because it's bare knuckle? I'm kind of curious, like as to your approach to BKFC as opposed to the UFC. Yeah, man, it's it's something that i've kind of been explaining to people because i tell all my buddies that i just signed a bare knuckle deal and they're like what the hell dude it's so barbaric and i'm like remember when the ufc first came out like everybody thought that mma was the most barbaric thing on earth like people like companies didn't want anything to do with it as far as sponsoring it's too brutal it's too violent and now look at it it's like it's the new norm it's the it's the thing you know and really the difference is I mean, if anything, I think MMA is way more brutal. I got to worry about getting a freaking shin kicked up beside my head. I got to worry about big knees, uh, you know, people elbowing you, um, you know, obviously wrestling, submissions, ripping tendons apart. And, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot more room for uh, error in the MMA world than, you know, yeah, I think the, the bare knuckle, obviously it sounds a lot more brutal. <laughs> I think cuts are probably going to be a lot more prevalent because you got sharp, a sharp knuckle, but you think about it, an MMA glove, a UFC glove, you got about a half inch to a, maybe even a quarter inch of padding over your knuckle. It's not like you're, you know, using a eight ounce to 10 ounce or even 16 ounce boxing glove, you know, 
it's not much different padding wise. The concussion is still going to be the same. I think the only thing that's going to be different is just getting cuts, you know, which people see blood and they just associate that with, you know, something that's so barbaric, but you know, right. I think all in all, you know, I, I just truly believe that my style is going to be so it's going to do so well in the sport. You know, I have the ability to stay, you know, keep pressure. They're obviously short rounds or two minute rounds. I've never, ever in my life competed in a, I mean, I guess some wrestling rounds were, you know, growing up were, were that short, but God, I mean, it's been so long since I've competed in anything that was two minutes long. And I think like I've been training two minute rounds doing myths just because I want to fill and yeah. get used to the, the timing and everything. And it feels like it's like 30 seconds. It goes by so fast. So, um, I mean, my ability to just be explosive, powerful, um, we've definitely been working accuracy. I think accuracy, accuracy bare knuckle is going to be way more key than being powerful and, and hitting hard. You know, it's, you, I think you, you hit them in the right spots. It doesn't have to be, you know, super, super powerful. Um, I, I think just putting it where it needs to be is going to do a lot of damage. So um, obviously a lot of body stuff, a lot of mixing up body to uh, power, you know, accurate power shots upstairs, um, you know, and, and just working combos that are safe because, it, you know, just like MMA, that's not like a boxing glove where you cover up, there's still holes that can, you know, punches can get through and just right. working that type of stuff. So, um, all in all, I think our game plan going into this is going to be great. And I feel very confident, like I said, with my style and, and doing this. So we're, we're, we'll see, man. I'm excited. Yes, we will see. I'm excited as well. I just uh, I hope they bring in uh, the competition that makes me as equally excited for you when you square off with whoever your opponent is going to be uh, later in the fall. You said what was it? You said September what in Phoenix was the date? Uh, it's October 22nd um, in Chandler, October. Arizona. October. All right, October 22nd in Chandler, Arizona. Now, this brings me to my final question, Chad. You kind of dropped that bomb that you're still under contract with UFC, but Dana White and the UFC are letting you fight in BKFC, which I think is awesome. I applaud Dana White to the fullest for allowing this to happen, especially with the money that you said that you're getting from BKFC. I'm always fighter first. That makes me incredibly happy, Chad. I know it makes you happy, but final question. Does that leave the door open potentially for a UFC return, uh, you know, a year or two down the road? Is that something that you might have your eye on? Yeah, of course, man. Like I said, if we can negotiate a contract that makes sense for me, I would definitely uh, toy with, with that for sure. But um, like I said, where my where my pay is right now in the UFC, it's like I can make way more money doing stuff in the outdoor world and, and, and running my businesses and not have to get punched in the face or kicked in the head. So, um, you know, it definitely is something I'd be open to if we could make it, make it work, but yeah, we'll see. Let's focus on, uh, doing some boxing and get out there, knock some heads off, get paid and, and then game plan after that. <laughs> Let's do. I like it. And we can catch up after that October date. Chad Money Mendez joining us on a Monday. Damn the technical difficulties. Damn the chaos. We made it work. Chad, man, thank you very much for making some time. We do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And sorry for the, the mix up here with this app. I'm going to have to fine tune this thing for sure. But thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Chad, man, and best of luck on October 22nd. Chad Money Mendez, still under contract with the UFC, but Dana White letting him fight for BKFC. That is the future that I want in this sport. 
Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.